Welcome to the Nino's Corner Podcast. This is beautiful. What is that, Velvet? Hosted by Nick, Nino's Corner Battle. Damn right. What's up, peeps? Nick Battle, a.k.a. Nino's Corner, man. First off, man, if you like what you're listening to, go give me that five-star like, five-star comment, five-star review so I can get some more sponsors and keep all this information coming to you. But, guys, you guys know I'm a diehard Longhorn fan. I am a grad. I am a proud alumni. I'm a lifetime Longhorn. So I am pulling for my Longhorns to have a great season. And why am I doing that? It's because we probably got the best offensive you know, like coordinator to come and coach this team as our head coach now, and Steve Sarkeesian. We're just going to call him Sark for the rest of the, you know this episode. But I'm going to talk to you guys right now about his staff that he is bringing in, and then I'm going to break down the uh, the game that he had in this national championship game where he like utterly dominated the Ohio State in this national championship game, and break down and see what players could possibly fill the roles of some of the players um, that fill those roles at Bama. So let's talk about Sark right quick. We all know that Sark was the head coach at Washington. Then uh, he did that for what, uh, five, six years, left there, was the head coach at uh, USC, had some, you know, some trials and tribulations, left there, became a uh, analyst at uh, Bama, um, left there to become an OC for the Falcons, and then came back to be the OC for Bama and Bama's had their two most explosive offensive seasons in the history of that storage franchise. Now, who is uh, who is Sark bringing in with him? So he's coming to Texas. When I saw like this initial list, guys, of all the coaches that he's bringing in, I just started like to think to myself, is this the University of Texas at Tuscaloosa? And I started laughing because he's bringing so much staff from Alabama. You know, and I can't get mad at somebody bringing comfort hires, as we like to call them here at Texas, comfort hires, which is what Charlie Strong brought with him when he came from Louisville, which is what Tom Herman brought with him when he came from Houston. Guys that were good at the level, like the AAC level, but not not cutting edge personnel to be coaches in a power five conference yet. So what does Sark do? Sark is the OC. He's not a head coach anywhere. So when he comes, he wants to bring in the best uh, coaches that he can bring in possible. And he's not just bringing his homeboys in to give them jobs because those are the guys who basically help make him and help get him this job. No, he was an OC. He got this job, honestly, gets the job, and he starts to bring in talent. So who does he bring in? Well, first off, he brings in his right-hand man, his, his guy. Uh, A.J. Milwee, who is going to be the uh, the uh, QB coach, you know, so he's probably going to be like the eyes in the sky for him. He'll be like in the press box and things of that nature. Uh, well, not the press box, you know, but the coaching box, you know, and Sark, be, you know, actually calling the plays on the field. You know, A.J. will probably be in the booth and, and just looking at the field and basically saying, hey, this is the coverage that's going to happen, yada, yada, yada. All right. That's a good hire. Right. That's his right hand man in Sark. I trust when it comes to that. But the one that got me, guys, Cal Flood. Cal Flood is the offensive line coach at Alabama, right? And, you know, once I figured out that he was going to be the O-line coach here at Texas, I started, you know, like to go back and look at some film and just like the footwork techniques that he has, his alignment go through, very thorough guy. You know, and you guys have seen these Alabama offensive linemen, you know, pretty much the whole time that Saban's been there, what, 13, 14 years or so. But Cal Flood has only been there for a couple of years, and that line has been very, very good. Uh, he, 
prior to this, he was also the O-line coach for the Falcons. And, uh, and Sark actually brought Flood to Alabama with him. And that's how we get Flood at Bama. Sark takes a job at Texas and he brings his guy with him. That's how Texas gets Flood as their O-line coach. Now, the thing I love about this is the continuity purposes of this, right? So you have a guy in Flood who is going to know all the pregame snaps, going to know all, you know, all the plays that are in the offense. He's going to know uh, which way that the that the linemen should be lined up when it comes to running X play, you know, because he knows every position, everybody's role um, on that offensive side of the ball. Usually when a coach comes in and they bring in somebody new, they might go get the best and the brightest as an offensive line coach and things of that nature, but they don't have any continuity with him because the guys never work together. This is not the case. Flood has been with Sark for the past four or five years, so he understands him. He knows the system in and out. This is an A-plus hire for Texas, getting Flood to come over with Sark because not only is he a great coach, but he's an A-plus recruiter. And that's what Texas needs, especially on that offensive line. Who else does Sark bring with him? Well, he actually kept Stan Drayton as the running backs coach who was from the previous um, you know, staff, which I'm totally fine with. Stan Drayton is coach the likes of you know, Zeke. He's coached the likes of Jordan Howard, you know, for the Bears, who basically brought him, you know, from being like a low round pick to being, I think, the rookie of the year that year for the Bears. Um, he's doing a great job at, uh, you know, at coaching B. John Robinson. Um, he's getting the best out of his players. Uh, and I absolutely love that, especially when the players are talented. He's really starting to get the best out of them because he knows how to mold, uh, you know, backs. He knows how to mold tailbacks. Uh, and into winning tailbacks. And a lot of the recruits really, really love him. Bijan Robinson pretty much, you know, um, came to Texas, you know, because Texas, for one, is a good school. But Stan Drayton was the guy who was, you know, very spiritual guy, a guy who was, you know, like really into his faith. I think Bijan was on the same page with that. So that's how you get guys like that because they have a good trust and a good bond with their position coach. And Stan Drayton is one of the best. Uh, uh, coaches when it comes to running backs in the nation, whether it's the pro or whether it is in college. All right. Who else does Sark keep from the old uh, you know, staff? Andre Coleman, who, who was the wide receiver coach last year. Now, the only knock on Andre Coleman is, uh, you know, he's he's not, you know, seen as one of these ace guys when it comes to actually getting guys to come here on campus, you know, getting them to actually nail down and say, I am coming to Texas. You know, he he's not that guy. Right. But I can't really judge him, you know, in that light because he only had one year at Texas and it was in Tom Herman's hot seat year, you know, but he came highly, highly praised from Kansas State. Um, and it seems like all like every player that he coaches loves him to death. And so when Tom Herman got fired, a bunch of players went on Instagram, they went on Twitter and said, please keep Coach Coleman. And that just shows you just not only just the level of, of bond. And, and 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 love that these guys have for him, but it shows that he is a good teacher. These um, wideouts actually took a step up this year. You know, like a guy like Josh Moore did very well this year. I was not expecting him to do what he did this year. Um, Jordan Woodington really came out of his shell. You know, uh, Jake Smith could have got some more touches, but um, these guys really stepped up this year and came out of their shell when it came to the wide receiver position. But a lot of it's not his fault on why some of these guys didn't progress as what we thought. You know, Tom Herman and the offensive coordinator, um, Yurchich, 
they basically love to rotate a bunch of players. That's not something that you're going to see, uh, you know, from Sark. Sark plays his players, and it's going to be very evident when I give you give you all the stats from the national championship game, just to show you how few people got touches because he understands that when you got guys that can ball, you leave them in there, you let them get the touches, you let them do their thing and eat, baby, eat. Who else does he, does he hire? Um, we talked about Stan Drayton. We talked about Andre Coleman. We talked about AJ Milwee. We, we talked about Kyle Flood. Uh, there's rumors that there's possibly, possibly Alabama's wide receiver coach, Hallman Wiggins may be joining the staff too, but you know, let's not jump the gun on that one yet. Let's talk about the tight end coach. This was the the big dog recruit. This is the big dog coach that Sark brought to Texas. And that's Jeff Banks. Jeff Banks comes in as the as the tight end coach and the special teams coordinator from Alabama. Why is this important? He's like, guys, he's just a tight end coach. He's just a tight end coach. No, not just not that he's just a tight end coach. Jeff Banks is one of the best recruiters in the nation. You talk about a rainmaker when it comes to recruiting, it's Jeff Banks. Go look at the list of guys he was the lead recruiter for for Alabama. It's long, and there are a bunch of five stars and a bunch of high four stars. That man, if he goes and sits in your room or or in your in, – in, yeah, if he goes and sits in your house – you know, in your parents' office, sits in your room and says, I want you to come to Alabama, that's what happened. And that's what's hopefully going to happen at Texas, that Jeff Banks is going to be able to lure the talent, close the borders, get the talent to come to Texas. And for what I understand, him and Flood are like a like a two-man team when it comes to recruiting. These guys know how to recruit. They really do. And as you can see, it's pretty evident when it comes down to the recruits that Alabama was getting, all right? So I can't wait to see what this staff is going to do when it comes to recruiting. And, you know, since we're talking about that, uh, this staff is going to close the borders here in Texas. And this is something that's needed to have been done since Mac Brown left. But let's go to the defense side of the ball. Texas still does not have a defensive coordinator. You know, there have been a couple of names thrown out there. I think it was Zach Arnett. He's from um, he's from Mississippi State. Um, runs a three three five. You know, which is not a real true three three five. It's very multiple. It runs a three three five, where you know there's there's three linemen, three linebackers, five DBs, but he does hang either a defensive end or an outside linebacker a lot of times over the outside of the right tackle, which basically means he's running the four three guys or actually a four two five is really what he's running. But he just has a guy like a Joseph Asai or a guy who I'm very intrigued to see play this year, Prince Dorba, uh, you know, hanging over that edge and able to rush the quarterback at will. All right. His defenses were great. They were able to stop the run in the SEC a lot. He's held, what uh, what was it, seven out of the ten teams that um, Mississippi State played this year under their point total. And I think the only team that really gave them a, you know, you know, like a run for their money was Alabama. The other three teams um, that he didn't, you know, hold to under their average, they were right at the average. So nobody just really blew them out. The other person, the other person, guys, that we think might be in play to become the defensive coordinator at Texas is Golden. And Golden is the defensive coordinator for the University of Alabama. I told you Sark is uh, is, is trying to make uh, Texas at Austin, Texas at Tuscaloosa, because I tell you what, he's bringing a lot of staff. If he's able to do that and bring in Golden overs, you're talking about 
straight continuity. You're talking about not comfort hires, but you're talking about hires to where these are national championship hires, national championship hires. Think about that for a minute. You're bringing in coordinators, uh, position coaches that have all won national championships, minus the ones that are still on staff here at Texas from the previous staff. Who else did he bring in? Defensive line coach, Bo Davis, who used to coach at Texas, same position, went to Alabama, went to the league. Not mistaken, he was with the uh, Lions. Now he's coming back to the college game, right? And so him coming back to the college game, the coach, he's defensive lineman. Man, that's wonderful. Next guy, the linebacker coach was Hultzler, but he is out now, so we don't have a, a, a LB coach right now. We're still waiting on that. Uh, the passing game coordinator, Terry Joseph, um, he came from Notre Dame. And, you know, a lot of people said that this was the pick that they weren't too sure about. But if you go look at his track record, he's a Louisiana boy when it comes to recruiting, Louisiana, East Texas, when it comes to recruiting. So you have a guy who was at Notre Dame. Do you know how hard it is to recruit to a school like Notre Dame? This isn't like the Notre Dame of the 80s and the 70s and the 90s where it's like kids wanted to go to Notre Dame. Kids want to stay close to home. That school doesn't have the mystique like it used to have. Right. So you bring him back to his roots in the South, and he's able to recruit Louisiana. That's going to be amazing. So you got Jeff Banks on the offensive side of the ball, you know, as your tight end coach, who is one of the best recruiters in the state of Texas. And then you bring in Joseph, who can shore up the the whole East Texas, Louisiana, you know, um, um, section. Sark is an ace on the West Coast. You know, I think his son goes like the matter they high, which is one of the best – football schools in the country this is going to be really interesting guys flood is also a good coach and he coaches nationally too was a head coach for some time also so these guys got connections this is going to be really good this is going to be really good so we're just waiting on who's like who is going to be the dc and is that dc also going to take on the linebacker um you know job also and is hallman wiggins going to come over and be another wide receiver coach for Texas. So that is the staff wrap-up in a quick nutshell, guys. We're going to take a small break, and then we're going to come and talk about the national championship game, how Sark called that game, some of the stats and the efficiency ratings of the players of that game, and then figure out how some of the Texas folks can fit into those to the those uh you know jobs and positions on the field so let's go to a small commercial break and we're coming right back all right guys and we're back man so what am i going to do you guys going to see me looking down some i got my computer here guys so what i'm doing is i'm looking at the stats that i did guys so you guys know i have my nino's corner number so you hear me say n c n that's Nino's corner number. I got it for the offensive side of the ball and the defense. So you're hearing me say NCN offense, NCN defense. That just means we're looking at the efficiency and effectiveness of these uh, of these players, of these skill position players. You know, mainly like the wide receivers, tight ends, and the running backs and the quarterback. Um, you know, for the uh, the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide. So let's take a look. All right, when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. All right, so the NCN offense for a team, the average uh, NCN offense for a college football team is 40 points, right? The higher, the better, right? 40 points is the average. What did Alabama do this game? 77 points, guys. 77.2 points to be exact. This offense was efficient, very efficient, very effective. This was 
one of the best shows you could see an offense, you know, run, you know, just in the college game. I mean, it was just strictly amazing. Let's compare that to Texas, right? Let's compare that to see what Texas ran and what Texas did uh, this year when it came to the offensive. So we said 77.2, right? 77.2 was the uh, was the NCN offense for Alabama during the uh, title game against the Ohio State. This isn't a scrub team that you're playing against. They're playing against guys that, if I'm not mistaken, Ohio State has the second most amount of ESPN 300, you know, top 300 recruits in the country over a five-year span. I think Alabama was top with like 94, 98. I think Ohio State had like 80-something. So these are probably the two most talented teams on paper in the country. They recruit well. Um, they have good players. Like I said, guys, they, they're always in the discussion to, to play for championships for that reason. You know, they got the they got the Jimmys and Joes, and they got the coaches that have the X's and the O's. So let's look at 77.2 was the NCN offense for Alabama against the Ohio State. Texas only had one game, two games, I'm sorry, guys, two games this whole year in which they were above 77 points. One was against uh, UTEP. Miss me with that. The other one was against Kansas State, which was a very depleted Kansas State team. I think Texas won 69 to 30 something or whatever. So Texas won that game pretty handily, but it's Kansas State. You're supposed to do it to Kansas State. You know, just put that in contrast, right? Uh, teams that, let's say, are comparable to an Ohio State or like an Oklahoma or an Iowa State. The Texas NCN offense against Oklahoma was 40.8 points, 40.8. 40.8. Iowa State against Iowa State, they were, uh, let's see, 44.2, much less than what Alabama was able to do against Ohio State at 77.2, right? So let's just take a look at why was the Alabama offense so efficient? They were so effective and efficient because they're a very balanced offense. Um, actually, they leaned more towards passing. They were 60-40 when it came to passing and running. They were very successful, um, you know, like running the ball and passing the ball. Their success rate for running the ball was 16 out of 32 plays, meaning that they were successful 50% of the time they ran the ball. And what I mean by successful is on first down, you're getting at least half the yardage to get uh, uh, another first down. On second down, I think it's 70% of that yardage. And on third down, you're getting all of the yardage, right? You're getting all of the yardage to get a first down um, or getting a touchdown, right? Um, and on fourth down, you know, you're getting all of the yardage to so get another first down, right? So there's an opportunity to to, to be successful on first and second down, uh, not be successful on third round, but be successful on fourth down. And actually, Alabama did that once this game. Um, you know, like for the passing game, guys, uh, let's see, Alabama passed the ball around 60% of the time. And they were successful 66% of the time. So that's 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 pretty amazing, guys, to where you can have the opportunity to be successful uh, nearly two-thirds of the time anytime you throw the ball, which is great. Great number. Now, let's look at the explosive plays, right? So Bill Walsh, like once said, you know, like legendary coach, you know, Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh said that uh, the team who has at least one more one more explosive play, like once a game, 87, like 87, 90% of the time, something like that. However, Alabama had 11 explosive plays, guys. Uh, Ohio State had eight. Okay. Alabama had all their explosive plays. They had eight 
of their 11 explosive plays in the first half alone. That's when Devontae Smith just went off. We're going to talk about Devontae Smith for a minute, but he went off. He, he was legit. Third quarter, they had three. The fourth quarter, Alabama, you can tell they throttled it back. They ran the ball a lot. Alabama could have hung up 70 points on these guys if they wanted to, but they didn't. But like Coach Sark said, all gas, no breaks. That's what he did. He put the foot in the throat early and made sure that, you know, uh, his opponent couldn't breathe, and they, they basically killed him. Now, how many yards of explosive plays did, uh, you know, Bama have? So, guys, any play that is explosive in college football is a play of 15 yards or more, right? So, like I said, they had 11 plays of 15 yards or more, totaling 198 yards, 198 yards of, of explosive plays, meaning each explosive play that Alabama had was nearly 25 yards of freaking play. 25 yards and explosive play, 24.75 yards to be exact. So this offense was very effective. It was very effective. It was very efficient. Um, and if I just go by the quarters, right, guys, let's look at the offensive, um, um, you know, rate when it comes to the uh, NCN offense per quarter. So the first quarter, 76.3. Whew. Second quarter, 89-point NCN offense in the second quarter. Third quarter, uh, 68.3, fourth quarter, 67.5. They had their way with Ohio State. So that's how effective that offense was, guys. So let's take a look. Let's take a look at the individual players here, guys. So when we're talking about, like, Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith had an, an NCN offense for the reception side, guys, so an NCN reception rating of 73.3, which is high. I mean, stupid high. Right. Let's just be honest. Seventy three point three is some of the highest numbers that I've seen in a while. I think the last person that I've seen have uh, a game like this where he was able to get the stats that 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 he had, the numbers that he had and the quantity of catches, I think was CeeDee Lamb a couple of years ago at OU. So just to put that in contrast, guys, if we're looking at the Texas football team and we're looking at the players at Texas, um, who were wide receivers and who had games that were comparable. There's only one. There's only one guy, actually two. Not really one. Uh, let's see, who was it? Josh Moore. Josh Moore had an NCN reception of 77.7, right, um, against Baylor. And he didn't have a lot of catches that game. I think he had like uh, maybe five catches that game, maybe six targets or so. Not a lot of yards, like 45 or 50 yards, something like that. But he had like three touchdowns on those five catches. So that pushes NCN number up quite a bit, right? So he had a game like that. Um, another person that had uh, a good game was Brennan Eagles against uh, uh, Okie State. Um, and that's really about it, guys. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Those are the guys that had numbers that stood out to to that game. And nothing against Baylor, nothing you know against Oklahoma State, but they're not Ohio State. Okay, so uh, Smith was able to do this against the Ohio State. That is a uh, very, very like great numbers for a player to do that against a team like Ohio State, who, like I said, has an offense that can stay in the field, uh, but they didn't because Alabama's defense really did some damage for him too. But let's just talk about Smith's numbers again, guys. 15 targets, 12 receptions. So he had an 80% catch percentage, uh, 215 yards. Um, he had 11 first downs. So 
Out of his 12 catches, 11 were first downs. He had three touchdowns, guys. Five of his 11 catches were explosive plays, or nearly half of his catches were over 15 yards. Um, his explosive play per reception was 41.2. I'm sorry, 41.7%. Um, and every catch that he had, every catch that he had was was a successful catch, meaning that it met the criteria of, like I said before, guys, first downs, getting at least half the distance on the first down, um, second down, getting at least 70% of the yardage on the second down, third down, getting all the yardage needed for um, a first down, and on fourth down, getting all the, uh, yeah, on fourth down, getting all of the yardage needed for a yeah, first down also. So every catch that he had was, 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 a, was a successful play. So he had 100% successful play per reception, 733 NCN reception. You can't beat that, guys. I mean, yeah, you can't. I guess you could, but you can't. Excuse me, guys. So let's look at Najee Harris. Najee Harris, running back. Uh, man, Texas has a guy who I think can be just as good at, or if not better than Najee Harris, and that guy is B. John Robinson. But we'll talk about B. John Robinson here in a minute. But Najee Harris, guys, on the reception side of the house, eight targets, seven receptions. All right. Um, Five first downs on those seven receptions, which is great for a running back. Uh, Coach Sark basically said that the running back is the most underutilized player when it comes to receiving the ball. They're usually the most unguarded player. They're usually the most open player. So he feeds the ball to his running backs, and he's going to have a great time giving that ball to Bijan Robinson out of the backfield catching, you know, because he is a great receiver out of the backfield. But stick to Najee Harris. Eight targets, seven receptions, uh, five first downs, guys. One touchdown. That touchdown he had was amazing, wasn't it? Um, how many explosive plays? One explosive play, and he was successful on five out of the seven catches that he had. He was successful. His NCN reception rating, guys, was 57.1 points, which is, hey, 17.1 points greater than the NCAA average. That's something that – Sark's going to use a lot with Bijan. Now, when I go and look at this, guys, there have – so in this game, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I got seven players, seven players that caught balls for Alabama, all right? A lot different than what we're used to at Texas. The receiver rotation was, like, utterly ridiculous at Texas where a guy would get in rhythm and he would be out for two or three drives after that, which made absolutely no sense. What I like about what Sark is doing is if a guy's hot, he's going to keep him in the game and just and just let him do his thing because you you let your players play. You let them play. You let them win the game for you. You just call the plays where if they can win, you let them win the game for you. So that's on the receiving side of the house. And also, guys, man, way to go for Jalen Waddle. Uh, Jalen Waddle had a 51.3 NCN offense, you know, um, you know, three targets, three receptions, guys, uh, two first downs. You know, I was just happy to see him. Uh, basically, he, he hobbled out there. Uh, he had one explosive play. I think the play was 17 yards or so. Um, I did not want to see him out there playing, but he but he gave it a go, and he was able to actually, uh, you know, help his team win the game. Um, now, if we go down, guys, to the uh, to the rushing side of the ball, which is really what I'm intrigued about, and this is why I think. 
you know, like Najee Harris did a good job, and so did Robinson um, uh, Jr. Both of those guys are five-star guys. And uh, Mac Jones actually ran the ball pretty well, too, for his two carries. But Najee Harris had a 58.35, 58.4, basically, NCN rushing um, a game. And uh, his backup, which is Robinson Jr., had a 49.4. So, like I said, guys, the NCN uh, average when it comes to rushing is also 40 points. Both these guys best at that, uh, you know, so they were basically above average when it comes to running the ball. Now, this is against Ohio State. So this is what I like about this, guys. The running back rotation here is not huge. Sark used Najee Harris. He gave him 20 carries. Robinson got 10 carries. A lot of that was in the fourth quarter in garbage time. If this game would have been close, Najee would have never gotten off the field, maybe a couple breathers. But Sark rides the hot hand. He doesn't like you know, have a guy get four carries or eight carries or six carries and then take him out for four or five drives and then put somebody else in. He lets the guy who is the guy who's the stud in that team run the team. So let's take a look and look at what B. John Robinson was able to do at Texas this year. Um, just on the individual game basis. So what happened this year? The Longhorns did not play Bijan Robinson a lot this year like they should have. I think in the first, what, four or five games, he got minimal carries. Um, and I don't think it wasn't until after the Oklahoma game is when he kind of bust out of uh, his shell and he did some great things. And to be honest with you, I think it was really the West Virginia game is when Bijan was able to flourish. Had over 100 yards in the West Virginia game. He had an NCN rushing a uh, number of 60.18. Uh, Iowa State kind of bottled him up. He got a bunch of carries against Iowa State. Iowa State did their thing against him. He's down to 30.47. Now against Kansas State. Now, keep in mind, it is Kansas State. Kansas State is not, uh, you know, Ohio State or Bama. But it is what it is. Bijan had a 206.02 NCN rushing. I mean, I've never seen them like nothing like that. I think the kid almost averaged, what, 15, 16 yards a carry that game. It was ridiculous. Uh, then against Colorado in the bowl game, he had an NCN of, of 139.6. And, you know, that basically, you know, made him the uh, the MVP, the offensive MVP of the bowl game at the uh, the Alamo Bowl. So his season total, what was Bijan's season total, guys? 80.74, and that's with him being underutilized for the first four or five games, okay? So he was underutilized, had an 80.74 NCN rushing total, uh, which is amazing. So I think Sark's going to have a great time with Bijan. I think Bijan is going to be uh, somebody who we're going to look at and say his sophomore campaign was, was an All-American campaign, uh, first-team All-Big 12 you know, like campaign, and uh, maybe – well, I won't say that yet. You know, you know Heisman trophies are – I wouldn't say winning Heisman Trophy, but the opportunity to be in the conversation, to be on that stage, to be a top five uh, guy when it comes to getting the Heisman. What were Bijan's stats? Bijan, like I said, guys, didn't he didn't really get to play until like the fifth or sixth game of the year. Bijan led he actually led the team in rushing, eighty six rushes, six hundred and ninety six yards, guys for eight point one yards to carry. You know, twenty two first downs, so he averaged a first down every four carries. Um, four touchdowns when it came to rushing, uh, 13 explosive plays, uh, successful plays out of the eight, out of the 86 attempts, 34 of those attempts were successful plays. So he had a, a, a 40%, 40% successful play per attempt. Um, 
no fumbles this year that that he lost. He had he had some fumbles, but it, but uh, he didn't lose the fumbles. But his total, like I said, guys, was eighty point seven NCN rushing for the season. Um, so I look for big things from Bijan this year. Let's take a look at Bijan when it comes to actually receiving the ball. Like I said, guys, I know you guys see me bending my head down, but that's because I'm looking at the stats here on my computer. Uh, so uh, Bijan Robinson, his receiving forty six point seven uh points for the ncn receptions uh which i think will be a lot better in the in the year coming up 13 receptions guys 193 yards so 9.65 yards to carry nine first downs out of those 13 catches uh two tds um four explosive plays you know so uh 10 out of his 13 plays were successful. So he had a 77% you know, success rate when it comes to receiving the ball. So I know I talked a lot, guys, today, but I just wanted to give you guys a little uh, you know, insight into what I think is going to happen here at Texas with Steve Sarkeesian as the head coach heading this team. Uh, you know, just want to talk to you guys about the uh, about the coaching carol. So basically with him bringing in a bunch of assistants from Alabama, and I got a feeling that this team's going to do some great things this, this upcoming year in 2021. And I'm just excited. I haven't been this excited about a, a football season in a while, man. So uh, hey, I always end my episodes, guys. I always tell you guys to do you. You guys hit on the shirt. So don't be afraid to fail, guys. Outgrow your environment. Understand your brilliance. So on that note, man, thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, more to follow, more to come. But do you. Love you guys. Hook them horns. I'm out.